Come be a part of the Tea Party with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board Doc Holliday's Tea Party right now. It's only a click away. Hey to all you American patriots, welcome back to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. It's good to have you here once again this week, and we got another great show. I'm going to tell you about that in just a moment, but first, let me just say that you're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net, and you're listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I'm your host, Ed Holliday. It's good to have you back. For you new people, the first time you're clicking on, great to have you. This show is growing. The Tea Party movement's growing. We've got some great things to talk about, to get you excited about. Let me just run down the list of what we're going to have on this week's show. First, we're going to hit the news items. we got a... Uh, Trends that just been released by the Census Bureau and none other than Dr. Thomas Sowell's take on that. We're going to hit that on the news item. Then, of course, we got uh, what is the Obama doctrine? Uh, what, why are we in Libya? The president's speech. We got some news and take on that, and we're going to talk about that on the news items. Then we got Jim Bennett. He's the state co-director of the Fair Tax and people have been asking, what is the fair tax? I told you a couple of weeks ago, we're going to find out more about it. So we're going to have a special interview with Jim Bennett. He's from the great state of New Jersey where Chris Christie is the governor. And he's doing a wonderful job. And there's people looking at him and saying, why isn't he in this race for the White House? And speaking of the race for the White House, we will continue our uh, job of looking at each of the potential candidates for the Republican nomination. This week, we will be talking about Governor or former Governor Mike Huckabee from Arkansas. Now he's a Fox News analyst, speaker, got his show on radio and television. So we're going to talk about what it would be like if he jumps in the race and what it would be like to campaign with Governor Huckabee and against Governor Huckabee. So listen to that. That's coming up. And then we will have our Rock of Liberty speech, and let me just tell you this. It was spurred on by comments from Senator Schumer of New York. You don't want to miss this week's Rock of Liberty speech. So hang on your hats. we got a lot to talk about. First, let me just say, we are in the month of April, and April's Fool's Day has passed, but don't you even slow down a bit, because you know the far left, our liberal friends, they are at it every day. They don't have to wait to April Fool's Day to act foolish. Every day they're acting foolish of every day, of every week, of every week, of every month of the year. And it's time we got to let them be exposed and tell everybody what they are. Get involved with this Tea Party movement. I'm telling you, we are growing. We're brewing up for the elections of 2012. We may never get another chance to be in the position we need to be in. Work hard, build up your memberships, go to tea parties, the rallies going on, getting planned for April around the tax day all over America. And so get together for that. And in just a few moments, I'll tell you where I'll be uh, speaking on April 18th. And we got a lot of things going on all over the country. And saying that, let me remind you, go to uh, my website, look at the, the banner at www.teaparty.ms, click on that banner about the Tea Party Review Magazine. If you're in a Tea Party movement, you need to know what's going on across the nation. There's not a better publication, a better item than the Tea Party Review Magazine. 
and you can go there, click on the uh, banner. You can go to right here on the Doc Holiday Tea Party uh, home site. Just just click on the banner. It'll take you right to the Tea Party Review Magazine. You read about that, check on it, and you ought to get one. Uh, get a subscription for your liberal friends. So do that. Go there and do that. Now, let me get to the news trends. First, I want to talk about the trends of uh, the Census Bureau and what the Census Bureau is telling us. And there's some interesting stats that none other than uh, the great conservative uh, Dr. Thomas uh, Sowell was telling us about. And he was talking about uh, some items of what's going on. We look at the state of California. One thing he said is uh, breaking things down in the census, the new census data, the race and ethnicity. It's, he said it was painfully clear what is happening. He said both white and blacks are leaving California. He said they are the poster child for the liberal, for the welfare state, and for the nanny state philosophy. But people are getting out of there. They're getting out of places all over America. And he, he pointed that out, that a lot of people are go, in California are heading to Nevada. He said even where there was a lot of Asian immigration into California, now a lot of Asian immigrants are, are winding up into, and that's legal immigration, are winding up in, in Nevada because they don't have all the liberal, big welfare state uh, taxes. And he said also, he said one of the points that the, the news item pointed out was the whites are fleeing the big northeastern liberal welfare states like Massachusetts and New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And uh, he said that uh, the similar-like uh, states that are have been liberal bastions in uh, Michigan and Ohio and Illinois, you see a lot of people moving out of there. He's talking about when you break it down by race, a lot of the whites are leaving these places. Now, he says the movement of the black population, especially young, educated blacks, he said is the most striking thing that he sees out of the census figures and these just recently released. And he noted it in the past, and we know about the Jim Crow laws and everything. There were massive movements of millions of blacks out of the South of course, in the early part of the uh, 1900s and the 20th century, there was a huge, epic migration of people from the south into the north. Uh, and it, it was on, like I said, equal to the Irish uh, famine that, that drove so many immigrants to America in the 1840s. And, of course, the millions of Jews, he uh, compared it to, that, uh, were persecuted in Eastern Europe and, and, and were drove out, driven out of there. But he said one of the things that uh, we have seen in the last few decades is more blacks have been moving back into the South. But he said, however, the overall black population of the northeastern and midwestern states has not declined in the past 10 years, except in Michigan and Illinois. The net increase of the black population nationwide has increasingly been in the South. He said about half of the national growth of the black population took place in the South in the 70s, two-thirds in the 1990s, and three-quarters in the past 10 years. And he said, isn't that something? He went on and talked about, he said, blacks are moving to the suburbs and even to cities like Minneapolis. He said, overall, the racial residential segregation patterns are declining in the great majority of the largest major metropolitan areas. Hmm. And, and, and his article is really astounding as it goes on, and he says, 
Detroit is perhaps the most striking example of a once thriving city. It was ruined by years of liberal social policies. And he noted, before the ghetto riot of 1967, Detroit's black population had the highest of home ownership of any black urban population in the country. And their unemployment rate was, get this, the unemployment rate of blacks in Detroit in 1967 was just 3.4%. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And he said, it was not despair that fueled the riot. It was the riot which marked the beginning of the decline of Detroit to its current state of absolute despair. I put in that word absolute. If anybody's been to Detroit recently, uh, you know it's, it's, it's in a bad, bad shape. And he said to D Detroit's, <clears throat> Detroit's population today is only half of what it once was. And its most productive people have split. They've, he didn't say that, but I, they split the scene. They see the handwriting on the wall, and they got out of Detroit. And this is where he said, this is, this is the, what he uh, really summed it up with. And he said, basically, you're I mean, treating businesses and affluent people as prey rather than assets often pays off politically in the short run. Yes, you, again, the liberals love to divide classes and divide people in classes for political purposes. And he says it does pay off politically in the short run. And elections are held in the short run. But he said killing the goose that lays the golden egg is, is a viable political strategy. And that's what we've seen played out all over America by the liberals. And he went on to say in his article, he's talking about uh, that uh, there's none other than uh, Mayor Coleman, the first black mayor in Detroit. He loved seeing, it didn't bother him for whites leaving Detroit because it, it, would, it helped his uh, re-election chances. Again, it was short-term gain. It was game uh, or a gain for Mayor Coleman at the time, but it was destroying the city. It was eating the city from the inside out. So short-term political gain, the liberals, uh, the liberals, Maintain power and, and, and try to get more power politically. But look what look at Detroit and you'll see the future of the United States of America under far-left le liberal leadership. Just look at Detroit. Is that what we want America to be at and look like? I'm telling you, this Tea Party movement is what we can say. We look at people and I don't want anything, any connotation of racism at all. I believe the future of America is for all Americans to open up and be able to do our very best. And that's why I love to see leaders like uh, Congressman Alan West, Congressman Tim Scott, African-American leaders who are standing up and saying, we need to take a look. Why should uh, 90, 95% of the Af African-American population vote Democrat? What have they done? They've given us Detroit. Yeah, they've given us all the inner cities. The liberal state has failed. It has absolutely failed. So now, how do we get that word out? Well, I'm telling you, as we get from one news item to the other, we're going, we're going to switch gears from domestic to international. And what's the Obama doctrine? As you know, uh, last week, our president came on the air because there was a lot, nine days or so after 
uh, bombing commenced in Libya. He came to the American people and he explained to us in 30 minutes. Speech took almost 30 minutes and he explained to us why the United States military was launching missile strikes and and aiming uh, gunships uh, at, at killing Gaddafi's forces. And he explained to us in 30 minutes why it was important. Now, if you understand exactly and clearly without any muddy waters exactly what the Obama doctrine is, please send me an email at radio at tparty.ms. Radio at tparty.ms. I, after 30 minutes, the more he talked, the more confused I got. Uh, he needed to come before the American people. And he needed to be there. And I think in five minutes he could have told us why he did it and why he thought it needed to be done and the people we had with him. He never, he said he consulted the leaders of Congress. Now, how many leaders have told us that he consulted them before he went in? Uh, don't know. And you, you have seen the news like I have how in the past when President Bush was president and uh, at that time Senator Hillary Clinton said, no way. No way do you start any kind of military intervention with Iran or anybody else without first coming to Congress and getting some kind of uh, document from Congress, resolution from Congress. Uh, Senator Biden, about the same thing. said he would impeach any president that would use military force without coming to Congress. <laughs> okay, maybe... Maybe he'll that'll be the Biden doctrine. Let's impeach the president so he can be president. Uh, well, <laughs> all, I'm, all I'm saying is, uh, I think that's a John Lennon song. All I'm saying is, let's give peace a chance. Well, all I'm saying is, let's give the Constitution a chance and let the Congress stand up and take over what you know, stop giving all its power away to the executive branch. We've seen it for the last two years. And now we got the House under Republican control, and I still don't see the Congress flexing any muscles at all. It looks like the executive branch is doing it at all. And uh, as we're touching on Libya, I don't know how it's going to play out. It's fluid every day. Uh, are we are we going to supply arms? Uh, I noticed the president of uh, the foreign minister of russia came out and said you know the u.n resolution does not say attack Gaddafi's forces it just says protect the citizens of libya so there's going to be a lot of international bickering um and basically what others have pointed out libya is not in our vital national interest but it is vitally important for oil for europe so are we doing europe's bidding is somebody helping us pay for the operation? I think I saw where we've uh, already put in $600 million, and it's going to be going about $100 million a week. And how long is this engagement going to last? And how far is America going to be pulled into it? Are we, uh, question, do we arm the rebels? And if we arm the rebels in Libya, are those arms going to find their place into the uh, hands of al-Qaeda? Well, Al-Qaeda, we know that there are some links to Al-Qaeda in the rebels that are fighting against Gaddafi. It gets confusing. And that's one thing about Al-Qaeda that scares me because they love to use Americans' arms against themselves. They, they just gloated over the fact that they flew America's own planes into the building uh, on 9-11. And uh, I know they'd love to get their hands on American 
arms and be able to use it against us. So I'm just saying we need to have a lot looking into this, what's going on in Libya. I hope it's short, and I take our commander-in-chief at his word that he says it's not going to be that important. He says it's not a war. Now we got to go back. What's the definition of war? Why is a Democratic president always getting stumbled over and making new definitions with President Clinton? It depending on what the definition of is is. Now, President Obama, what's the definition of war? He said there's no war. We just launched over 100 uh, cruise missiles into a country, but that's not a war. So what is it? Is uh, kinetic energy, kinetic movement? Uh, I tell you what, the Obama doctrine is about as muddy as the Mississippi River in the springtime, and all the rivers coming muddy up the waters. So maybe things will get sorted out in the next week or two. Let's pray so. Wow, we have got we got a program that has just uh, got to get a lot packed in here. And I'm telling you, here we go. I told you a couple of weeks ago, trying to understand the fair tax. I told you Herman Cain is behind the fair tax. We'll be talking about Herman Cain. And today, we'll be in a few minutes, we'll be talking about uh, the possibility of what ex-Governor uh, Mike Huckabee of Arkansas, he was always... Uh, a fan of the fair tax. So what is the fair tax? Well, we got on the line Jim Bennett from the great state of New Jersey, where, like I said, Chris Christie is being a governor that is really, uh, really getting everybody's attention, especially the conservatives. So uh, let's speak to Jim Bennett. He's the state co-director of the fair tax. And you can go to fair tax uh, at fairtax.org, find out more about it. But we're going to talk to Jim uh, will this cause more bureaucracy then? Uh, very little, uh, because first of all, we're getting rid of the IRS because the uh, tax collection shifts to the states, 45 of whom already have sales taxes already. So it's very easy to implement. Uh, secondly, uh, I'm told that something like 70% uh, of American households already depend on the Social Security Administration for some kind of a benefit. So if we simply increase the mailing list by 40-some percent, we've got the whole country covered. And then we don't have the problem of uh, the IRS not communicating with the Social Security Administration. And then the Social Security numbers become self-policing because if I apply for a prebate and Social Security says, oh, no, I paid that to Joe X, I'm going to say, what are you talking about? That's my Social Security number. And then that'll be straightened out very quickly. Right. Well, that, that that's another. That's a. I guess a one of the good things that would flow out of it if we switch to that. Uh, now, tell me what what does it do for the small business? Or does as far as the everything from having to, uh, uh, you know, to stretch out like if you do a household. I mean, a, on your small business, if you do leasehold improvements, you got to do it. You know, you got to pay it out over a 40-year plan. You can't just pay it all. I mean, does this have an effect on uh, small businesses and how the tax structure is? Of course, I know it will, but do you know how it would Sure, Ed, it has a huge impact. Uh, first of all, if we look at tax compliance costs, these costs fall disproportionately on small businesses. Uh, let's take my dentist, who says that I spend uh, more on tax compliance than I do on paying the actual tax. Right. Now, in terms of uh, in terms of depreciation and those kinds of things, uh, there's no more need to depreciate uh, because there's no more tax on business income, uh, which taxes the base for depreciation. So that all goes away. 
and under under the fair tax, there's virtual there's no tax on on businesses, and compliance costs drop precipitously. Uh, all a retail business has to know is what are my gross sales, and what's 23% of that, and then uh, what are my credits. And it's a 13-line form. Walmart could do it. The candy store could do it. Now that that almost seems too simple to be true, Jim. And that's that's to me is so exciting to see the fair tax, and yet uh, it, it it's almost impossible to get the Congress to digest something, much less get something passed. So, uh, how, just how what kind of a game plan do you have to try to get this introduced to Congress and then actually get the bill passed? Ed, I'm really glad you asked that question. First of all. This fair tax is not a pipe dream. It's an actual bill in Congress, and we have 64 sponsors in the House and in the Senate. Now, we think we have 100 uh, people in the House who would support it and 30 in the Senate. Over the next two years, we have to increase the number in the House by another 118, mm -hmm. or if we just add uh, close to 100, some other people will fall in line. And in the Senate, uh, we have to add another 30 to make it filibuster-proof. And we have to be sure we have somebody in the White House in 2013 who would sign the legislation. Now, uh, there are uh, two kinds of congressmen. Uh, the first would be those who ideologically favor the fair tax and feel politically comfortable so that they would be willing to support it. Uh, and the second kind of a congressman is, that, is uh, one who needs pressure from his grassroots constituency. And that's where you and all your listeners come in, because with people like you spreading the fair tax message around, uh, that's how we're going to get it done. Well, and, now, uh, uh, there's a, there's a, if I, if I may, there's a website that your listeners could go to. Okay. It's called fairtax.org. Fair tax is all written together. So if you go to www.fairtax.org, uh, you can get more information and, uh, you, that'll also link you into local leaders uh, who can uh, help you get involved in the movement if you want to get involved at a higher level. Okay, well, Jim, that's why in a minute I want to uh, ask you another political question about the fair tax. And uh, well, just before we do that, let me remind our listeners you're listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I'm your host, Ed Holliday, and you're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net, and we're talking to Jim Bennett. And he's uh, one of the in the grassroots effort nationally uh, to get the fair tax uh, passed and put into our country. And he, Jim, you live in New Jersey, isn't that right? Yes, sir. Well, th this is my question. When we look at you're telling us the numbers that you would need in the House and the Senate, and do do you have any Democrats uh, supporting this fair tax? If you do, how many do you have? Uh, on the current bill, we have one. It's Dan Boren in Oklahoma. And let me tell you the reason why uh, we don't have more Democrats on the bill. When we first started, uh, every uh, supporter or every sponsor was asked to take uh, bring in a sponsor from the other party. So we had an equal number of Republicans and Democrats. Right. We had Colin Peterson from Minnesota, who's still in the House. But the leader of the House, caucus, has told her caucus, that you are not to support the fair tax, and uh, she will not say why. So if we can overcome that, and the reason Dan Bourne went against his uh, congressional leadership was because of grassroots pressure in Oklahoma. 
So it's really the grassroots that's the key to getting this thing done because the uh, fair tax is single issue and it's nonpartisan. And uh, as a fair tax grassroots leader in uh, my area, I take those two attributes very seriously. Well, I'm glad that uh, you put it nonpartisan. And, uh, of course, you're talking about the leader of the Democratic caucus in the House, and uh, you're talking about uh, Nancy Pelosi, I assume. Is that yes, correct? Yes, sir. <laughs> well, uh, she did a lot to get rid of some of the liberals, I, I believe, in the last election. And maybe if she continues to stand against the fair tax, that maybe that will help her get rid of some more of her uh, liberal uh, members. But I am glad to hear that it does have some Democratic support. I know Representative uh, Dan Bourne out in Oklahoma is uh, if we had more Democrats like him, I think we'd have a much better country. Absolutely. If, you're, if your listeners are uh, active in the local Democratic Party, this is an opportunity for you. Uh, go to your local Democratic leaders and tell them about the fair tax and talk about it. Um, actually, uh, when you're talking to your friends on the, that side of the aisle, um, I know uh, a fellow whose uh, politics are five miles to the left of Teddy Kennedy. Uh -huh. He's a fair tax supporter. Why? Because the fair tax is only about a way of getting money into the government that's more transparent, it's more efficient, it's friendlier to economic growth, and it's fairer than today's tax system. It doesn't make a judgment about how big the government ought to be or what kinds of things the government ought to be spending its money on. And in fact, some of the reason conservatives criticize it is because it isn't designed to reduce the size of government as such. It puts the government in the same position as it is today. So when you talk to your uh, friends on that side of the political divide, uh, that's a point that you're going to want to stress. And that was Jim Bennett, and we're glad to have him on the show today. And I'll tell you what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to come back next week and uh, finish up some more questions about the fair tax with Jim and give him a chance to speak to us again next week. So let's uh, look forward to that, and let's get right on in today's show because we're running out of time. And I want you to know this week's show is packed full of all kind of information, so you can send it out to your friends and let them know. Uh, go to my website at www.tparty.ms. Uh, you can check out the banner to the Tea Party Review magazine and check out my book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide from the Boston Tea Party to Today's Tea Party Revolution. So much to do, so go check out the website. And with no further ado, let's get right on to uh, what would you do if you're running for the Republican nomination and none other than Governor Mike Huckabee entered the race. What would you do? Well, you got to look at where's uh, Huckabee coming from. And uh, Governor Huckabee was actually second behind uh, in, in a Republican primary behind John McCain. He came in second after all the votes were in uh, last uh, go around in 2008. And there was a lot of division sometime in, in, in the last uh, election in 2008. And a lot of the times, a lot of division in the conservative world where some were disappointed that others didn't get behind Romney quick enough and that uh, McCain... McCain was every, like everybody's second choice and or second or third choice and down the uh, feeding chain, but nobody could get consensus. And Mike Huckabee may have had a chance to to win the nomination then if Moore got behind him quicker. Same thing with Romney. But the old man, the old guard, that's what the Republican Party wanted to go to, and they went with John McCain, and he got beat. 
And so now we got to look at 2012. And what do you do? If Governor Huckabee decides to run, he has got name recognition. Last time he ran a formidable campaign and really surprised people when he came out and won the Iowa caucuses in the Republican Party. And that really surprised some folks and went on and got some steam. And uh, you've heard on this uh, Doc Holliday's radio show, you can go back and listen to the archives with look under Reverend Bill Owens. And Reverend Owens uh, went around. Now, Reverend Owens, an African-American uh, pastor, and he campaigned with uh, Governor Huckabee across the state of Texas. And he said if Governor Huckabee runs again, he would be behind him. Why? Because he said no other Republican governor that he knows of anywhere has more support for more African Americans than Governor Huckabee. And the reason is why the way he treated and worked with and the African American community when he was governor of Arkansas. There's not many Republican governors. In fact, I don't know of any Republican governors had as much African American support as Governor Mike Huckabee. So that's some interesting uh, uh, things that come that you can go back and listen to on that archives, some from uh, Reverend Bill Owens on the Doc Holliday Tea Party Show. But getting to today, now what's he going to do? Is he in or is he out? Governor Huckabee, what, tell us something. Well, he just said last week that he has not decided, and it'll probably be this summer before he does decide. All those that says he's not running, they look directly at what he's been doing. They said, well, he's building a huge house down in Florida. And Governor Huckabee himself has said that he, would, he is uh, making more money he's ever made in his whole life between his speaking fees and his uh, Fox News contract with his show and his radio show. So he would be stepping away from a lucrative business that he enjoys doing. Now, will he run or will he not? That's a lot of people's questions, a lot of different candidates. If he gets in... He has name recognition, but you know, it goes back, I remember there was Richard Land, Dr. Richard Land of the Southern Baptist uh, Ethics uh, and Liberty Commission, I believe, but uh, he's a conservative stalwart, has been for years, and he said last time in 2008, he said that, you know, the American people would be too prejudiced to elect a Baptist minister, President of the United States, and there's probably a lot of truth in that, no matter what Governor Huckabee did. He could never, even though he got the votes and got the people and he was very likable and people liked him, voters voted for him, he could never get Republican establishment, people of money, people, I guess the inner works of the Republican Party, they could never get behind Governor Huckabee. He had so much trouble in 2008. And would they get behind him in 2012? Um I don't think so. But that's my opinion. Uh, we could see Governor Huckabee get in and, hey, He's been a Baptist minister, and he, he still preaches some in churches, I hear. So who knows? Could be a miracle in the making. Uh, I really believe if Governor Huckabee thought there was nobody that could get in there and fight for the ideas and conservative values that he believes in, I really believe he would run. But uh, there's a lot of people getting ready to run, and I think that uh, when it's all said and done, he is going to say uh, he'll get he'll be behind the supporter and he won't run. But, hey, what does Doc Holliday know? Uh, I'm not trying to be a prophet. I'm just saying that uh, Governor Huckabee has a lot of irons in the fire that are making some money, and he's, he knows he's getting influenced by what he's doing. And jumping in there and running for president, I think would he, – he, you have to feel it in the gut. And he, you got to really have that – 
fired up gut feeling. I do not see that in Governor Huckabee now. Now he may overnight have a have a <laughs> have a transformation that we don't understand or can't see. We may have some heavenly angel come down and lift him up and say, You're supposed to run. Uh, but I at this point I do not see Governor Huckabee running. Now, uh this show is is uh always ending up for Rock of Liberty speech. Time is running out for this show, but let me tell you about Senator Schumer got on the telephone, didn't know uh, reporters were listening in. He was talking about the Democratic Caucus talking point said paint uh, Speaker of the House Boehner as putting him in a box. And it's the vicious, well, he didn't say these words, but they were meaning the extreme right. He did use the word extreme. He said that's what he was told to use, the word extreme. To call you and me, the Tea Party people, extreme. Excuse me? Excuse me, Senator Schumer. <laughs> My goodness. Excuse me. You calling us extreme? When you are spending a trillion dollars of my children's money and grandchildren's money, I don't have grandchildren, but some of the people in the audience do, spending a trillion dollars just printing the money because we don't have it. We haven't had it. Year after year since uh, the Democrats have taken control in 2008, you're spending more than a trillion dollars every year we do not have. Do not have. And that's the Rock of Liberty speech. I'm telling you, Senator Schumer, you represent what's wrong with America. Spending money is worse than stealing candy out of the baby's hand. You look at the college students, you tell them they're going to have a future when you're spending a trillion dollars, you're printing the money because you don't have it. It's not yours to spend. You're taking it out of the cribs and the baby beds. And you're condemning the future of America to a third world country. It's time for you and me as the Tea Party movement to stand up and speak the truth and make sure the fools, the April fools that march around every day spitting out and calling people extreme when they are the very extreme themselves spending money we don't have. It's time to get them out of office. We've got to elect people who have some common sense Let's make 2012 the year the ship starts floating and getting to a destination of victory because we're throwing the liberals overboard. It's time to throw them overboard, get them out of government because I'm tired and sick of people stealing candy from babies, stealing the money from our college students, and just condemning their future to a third world country. Tea Party people, unite, stand up, and we are going to make it happen in 2012. And not only are we going to make it happen, you and me, we're going to help pick up those liberal, disillusioned liberals and get them into the Tea Party movement and join with us, join with the coalition of the common sense people, and we're going to make this Tea Party brew across the country. And uh, like I told you before, uh, I will be speaking on April 18th. That's a Monday. Anybody in the Florence, Alabama area be having a Florence uh, Stop the Spending Tea Party in Florence, Alabama, at Wilson Park. So anybody in the, that area, come on down. It starts at 5.30 in the afternoon, Monday, April the 18th. I'll be one of the speakers there and I look forward to a good time because I know not only there, 
But all over the country, wherever you are, look for the Tea Party, get involved, go to the rallies, and let's make sure that our congressman and uh, president of the United States in Washington can hear us loud and clear because the continuing resolutions must stop, the spending must stop. We cannot spend what we don't have. And Congress should not spend somebody's money that's not even born yet. They don't have the right to spend the money. Now, if they tax us and the tax money comes in, they can spend that. But we're spending a trillion dollars we don't have. That's why you've got to get involved. It's up to you and me. The future of America, it's in our hands. And God bless America. I'll see you next week. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. And remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Tea Party. You can order Ed's book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide, from the Boston Tea Party to today's Tea Party Revolution by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.